Does your business have a personality? Like, does what you put out there convey that you're a real person who is friendly and personable and a great choice to do business with? Or is it a faceless business and a bit robotic at times? Well, your business and your brand aren't built by robots, and your brand isn't something that's mass-produced on an assembly line, so it should never feel like that, because you create it. You carefully cultivate and grow it from a fragile dream up inside your beautiful mind to the result of a million cups of coffee, long days, hard work, and perseverance. And believe it or not, But creating a brand with no personality is a surprisingly very common small business mistake. But why does it matter? And whether or not you are conveying personality in your business, be it on your website, your social copy, or ads, this is often where you are creating first impressions of your small business to potential customers. And when a potential customer visits your website, they are looking at how capable you are of solving their problem, but also if you are someone that they can connect with. If they have a choice between two businesses and one looks bland and robotic while the other one looks friendly and approachable and personable, who do you think they'll call? You got it. The business with the personality every single time. So how do you add personality to your small business, website, or online assets without making it seem all me, 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 because I know that that's what you're thinking. Well, my new business friend, Jill Wise, is a brand strategist, growth marketer, and the creator of the Client Attraction Equation, and she is here today to show you exactly how to do it. Because guess what? Despite the pandemic, Jill was able to double her revenue in 2020 by injecting her personality into her business. And she wants the same for you. So let's dig in and learn all of Jill's business personality secrets, shall we? Okay. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Jill. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to chat with you today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you as well. Yes, it's my pleasure. So today we're going to talk about injecting your personality into your brand, which I know is like a super interesting topic. And for some people, maybe a little bit of a contentious topic. So Jill, can you tell us what brought you to where you are today? What brought you to caring about injecting personality into brands enough that you're here talking about it and that you're teaching your students about it and that you've built a whole business around it? Okay. So I floundered for years, I'll be honest, in business because I started fresh out of university and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was very young and was just trying to make things work. Fun fact, I was also living in Montreal, which is a French speaking city for any of our non-Canadian listeners. And I don't actually speak any French. So I had to find ways to make money and writing was one of those. But from there, when I started to look at marketing specifically and shifting from journalism into writing for marketing, and when I suddenly became a copywriter, when an editor told me that I was a copywriter, I really 
cared about, I guess, the connection side of things. And I realized that lots of people look at business in terms of dollar signs and prospects and it's very cold, but I look at business like people connecting with people. And there's one day where me and my husband, we were living in Calgary at this time and we were on a drive out to Drumheller to see the dinosaurs. And I told him, wow, I posted on my Instagram today about what we did. And I posted a story and people really cared. And it it was just so cool how they cared. And from that moment, I started to really look into how I can show up in a way that connects with people and shifted how I look at my business. And I wanted to, instead of having to cold pitch for everything, figure out a way that would attract my ideal clients to me. And I figured that out. So I haven't cold pitched for work in over two years and clients keep coming to me. And even with that, I was able to double my revenue in 2020 through the pandemic. All of my leads, they come through my website. They get all set up properly that way. We get on sales calls. We feel like we're already connected and it's all from this personality piece. Yeah, because it's such an important part of kind of the pre-sale or it's almost like a prerequisite to somebody giving you their money. Well, they need to know who you are, like who you are and trust who you are because they're about to give you their money in exchange for a potential outcome and they need to trust that you're the person to do it. So I love that you've created sort of this engine of having people get to know, like and trust you before you even hit the sales call. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Now I just like to help other people figure out what makes them unique and what pieces of their personality they can use to attract their clients and grow their businesses online too. Because ultimately, even though, of course, I want to grow my business, I want my clients to do really well too. And a lot of them are, and it's really cool. I love this topic because I think we're all starting to learn how important it is to have your potential customers know, like, and trust you before they're ready to buy from you. And for brick and mortar businesses and things like that, it's pretty easy to establish that know, like, and trust factor on the street, right? So you have a reputation sort of within your geographical area. But if you want to extend your reach outside of that geographical area or outside of your immediate community, if you will, you got to actually do it on the internet. And I know for myself, I'll speak for myself, when I realized I needed to make that shift, it was super uncomfortable for me. It felt very narcissistic. And I struggled a lot with worrying about people thinking that I was self-absorbed and self-centered and I just wanted to put photos of myself on the internet when really that wasn't my goal at all. My goal was to connect with the people on the other side of the internet. And when we're not face-to-face or in person or meeting each other on the street, it looks different. And it sounds like this is what you're about to teach us about today. So I'm wondering if you can comment or maybe give some advice to the listeners who are realizing like, okay, I know that if I want to grow my business and extend my reach, then I need to put myself out there a little bit because people connect with people. They don't connect with businesses. I think that in 2021, that's a pretty well-established thing. But I think that a common resistance to that is that people feel like, or they're worried that they're going to look self-centered or self-absorbed. And to that, what do you say? to that is where all of this brand strategy piece comes in. So we want to start thinking about our brands as an actual character. And that personality is something that's strategic that you're showing up as. So yes, we're going to be posting on social media. And for me, that was Instagram. For other people, it might be other platforms. But it's less about what we want to say and 
what our favorite color is and all of these important details and more about what our people need to hear. So that's how the personality comes in. But we try to curate that personality strategically so that people will know, like, and trust us, or at least feel like they do. And it feels really authentic to our brand at the same time. Does that make sense? Totally. But I wonder if you can comment a bit more to what authentic to your brand really means. Okay. So this is where maybe we're getting into the house two steps a little bit because most people think, okay, I'm going to start freelancing and I start a business and I'm going to show everybody what I'm like. And I feel like I need to post all of the time, everything in order to be authentic. And if I'm not showing up all the time as myself, then I'm not authentic to my brand. But the way that I look at this is separating yourself from that brand character and curating everything so that when you show up, I feel like when I get to my desk on Monday, I am here as Words by Jill. And yes, there is Jill Wise, the person, but Words by Jill online is slightly different than that. It's still pieces of me and it's still true to me, but it's more so being authentic to the brand character that I've developed so that I can unplug and plug in and show up for work and have time to disconnect you so that there's this balance while still being authentic to what our people need as well. So we don't have to put everything out there, but specifically choosing the pieces that are going to help people resonate with us and connect with us and ultimately buy from us. Yeah. So I guess then my next question is building off of that. How do we know then what we should be sharing and what we shouldn't be sharing from a brand strategy point of view? Okay, so here I first, if you need to mentally separate yourself, your personal self from your business self. And what of those two people, like if you need to make a chart of this is me on business and this is me in real life, then go ahead and do that. But separating those two and the way that I start by separating those two is actually looking at your core values. So what do you value as a person and what do you value in your business? And the way that we look at our core values are going to help us shape that character. Because, for example, somebody who values maybe money and gratitude would be different than somebody who values just money and growth and fame and those sorts of things. So they start to shape a different character and they have a different personality attached to those. So when we can look at our values like that, then we can start to think, what do I value in my business and what do I value in my everyday life and how can I make a distinction, draw a line in the sand so that I don't feel like I need to give away absolutely everything in order to make genuine connections with dream clients. Okay. So can you give me an example of like maybe an exercise that someone might go through in order to determine what they should be sharing on behalf of their business and what they should keep kind of behind the scenes? Okay, so with this, most people, they have this question. They're like, okay, what do I share? Well, I don't really know what to share in order to keep some behind the scenes and show up in that way that your people need. So with this, we need to actually start by listening to what our people need. So what is that message research aspect of it? What do your people say that they want from you? What do they resonate most with? A lot of it comes from experimenting in the beginning, trial and error, seeing what they connect with. But you really need to listen to what your dream clients are saying that they want and saying that they resonate with in order to figure out where that line in the sand is for you. So I can give some examples here if that oh, helps. Yes. Okay. So some examples would be for myself, my own brand. A lot of the people that come to me, they resonate with my balance between red wine and green juice. And they 
resonate with my driven attitude. I have a goal that is not so secret where I tell lots of people that I want to retire my husband in four years and we're really working on it and getting closer to that and picking out these pieces strategically because I know that my dream clients also resonate with that. On the other hand, they might not care that maybe me and my husband spend Friday nights playing video games on the couch. That's not relevant to them. They don't need to know it. So I don't actually need to talk about that or show up with that all the time. Instead, I'm going to take a photo of the nice wine that I'm drinking that night because I know that they want to know what those recommendations are and they start to recognize me for these things. And instead, I'm going to tell them what's in my smoothie that day because they're also making smoothies and they resonate with these sorts of things instead. So it's just figuring out what they actually need to know in order to build your credibility and be relevant to them and interesting to them. It's still pieces of you, but it's just those pieces of you that are specifically chosen rather than here's everything that I am and you just try to make sense of it, even though I'm a stranger on the internet. Yeah, I get it. Because you're giving little pieces of things that aren't related to your business, but that make you relatable and that you have in common with your ideal or dream client or customer. But my next question is, how do you find out or figure out what those things are? Like, how does a listener know that they should be sharing red wine versus video games? And how do they really understand or figure out what their dream clients care about versus what they don't care about? So that's where the strategic listening comes in. So I spend a lot of time on the internet creeping other people. Some of my clients call me a super internet stalker. They feel like I need to add this to the job title because I spend hours going through the profiles of the people that I want to work with and what are they like and what are their interests and listening to the conversations that you have with your clients. What are they saying? What do they connect with you about already? Where are those commonalities and how can you continue to pull those out from strangers on the internet so that you can attract more people that are exactly like them? So really honing on your listening skills and your research skills in order to find those pieces that are going to have the biggest connection. And Like I said, a lot of it comes from experimenting. So you might not be totally positive at first, but that's okay. And you can choose something, try it out and see how it hits. And if it works well, then do a little bit more of that. And if it doesn't work well, well, just don't talk about that ever again, because clearly that's not what people want to hear from you. How can a listener determine whether or not something is landing with a customer? Like, are you talking about just kind of likes and comments or how do they know that they've put something out there that's successful versus putting something out there that's not successful? I want you to pay attention to the actual conversations that you're having with your dream clients. So does a lead come in and they mention something specifically that you put out into the world? That could be a specific video or a caption or something on your website. If they're mentioning something specific, then you know that's working. So for example, I have a sentence on my about page that has brought me so many leads It's insane how this one thing works. And I didn't always have the sentence up. I didn't know if it was going to hit right at the beginning. I really thought that it was going to, but I still had to experiment with it and see if it would work. And then now leads will mention this specific sentence in our sales calls. And they'll say, this is what made me want to reach out to you. I just felt really connected with you when I read that. So would you like me to... Yes, (laughs) don't leave us hanging. (laughs) Okay, so the sentence, it's very simple, but my husband says... I need to stop using my astrological sign as an excuse 
but I'm obviously a Gemini and I think my career choice makes that clear. So this is super simple and you might look at it and think, what about this is so special? But it works because I know that my ideal clients also pay attention to some of the more woo-woo things like star signs and manifestation and health and wellness, fitness areas. They all kind of fit into there or personal development, all of these good things. And I know that because I had conversations with them about that. And I also, I am a Gemini and people think that it's very obvious when they meet me and they see how I work. So, and then they also relate to the aspect of having a partner that might tease them about being into this stuff. So by wrapping all of that up into one sentence, they feel like they know me because I've shared something and they do know a piece of me, but it's a really specific piece so that I know that it's going to connect with them and hit some sort of chord in them so that if they're looking at me and another person who has very similar skills, my people will choose me for that sentence. And we have this common ground. So then we get on a discovery call and we can talk about that and then we can further our connection and it's still being genuine and who you are, but it's just picking those pieces versus if I made that sentence say on Friday nights, me and my husband like to play video games on the couch, it probably wouldn't be as effective. So which of those pieces are going to hit all of those chords, all of those emotional chords with your people? Yeah, and I can totally see how deeply understanding who they are is definitely a precursor to that. And I'm sure it's like an ongoing primary market research activity in your business because I think it's not sort of one and done. You need to be constantly observing and learning and finding out new things and testing new things and posting them, like you said, just put it out there and see what happens. But I want to ask you another question because I think a lot of listeners struggle with the day-to-day, right? So let's say they say, okay, I know that my ideal customer is going to care about what red wine I'm drinking on a Friday night and my astrological sign and my husband's judgment of that. But that's like a couple of things. And I think day-to-day people struggle with what to post, right? So I posted about my astrological sign yesterday and I posted about wine the day before. Like, now what do I do? So what do you recommend to listeners who kind of struggle with that like day-to-day, like what, like coming up with things that they can post on social media to put themselves in a position to be known, liked, and trusted by their audience. Of course. So these little similarities are just pieces of the larger story. So some people, they'll pick these pieces and they stop there and they just keep talking about those pieces and that's it. But you need to think bigger than that and think about the stories of your life and how they're going to connect with your people too. So that's where the example that I give of my goal of retiring my husband in four years. That is a huge piece of my story that I talk about with my clients and it inspires them to do the same thing and it inspires them to know that they can do that too. So that's an entire story that I can continue to talk about and continue to bring up in the day-to-day. So maybe I have a really busy day and I'm sharing my to-do list and my people also know that I'm busy because I'm trying to make this goal happen. So bringing it to the larger perspective, there's the other story, I tell the story of my growth a lot. So when I first started writing, first started fresh out of university, my first gig was $25 to write 500 words. And now private clients, my packages start at 6,000. So that's very different. So I tell that story of growth as well, because it shows my ideal clients that they can grow too. And it shows people that it's possible. So it's taking those similarities and maybe that similarity is they're not paid very well right now or they want to be paid more or they want to grow. A lot of my private clients have been in business for a while. So they just like to connect with somebody who has those big goals and 
wants to make these things work. So it's finding the whole story too, not just the small fun facts as the similarities. So you bought a fancy camera or you're thinking about buying one because it's clear to you that there is no shortage of beautiful moments or things in your life that you'd like to capture beautifully. But the record scratches because all the dials and buttons and settings are standing between you and your life in stunning photos. Well, my friend, I have just the fix. The ultimate photography starter kit. This free resource includes a recommended equipment list, quick start checklist, and a beginner's guide to creating natural poses and candid moments to give you the confidence you need to dust off that fancy camera and start documenting your moments so they can last forever. The Ultimate Photography Starter Kit is completely free and it is everything you need to get started. So grab yours today at kellylawson.ca slash starter kit. That's kellylawson.ca slash starter kit. And I can't wait to see your framers in my scroll. How do people know if they're oversharing? Because I know that that's also a fear that people have. They're going to be testing these things out. They're probably going to lose some sleep at night over the posts that they experimented with that day or something like that. How do they know when they wake up the next day if they went too far or if they overshared? Yeah, that's definitely a fear. So it's very valid for you to feel that. And I would say that you're not oversharing if you have a purpose to it, if there's some sort of intention here. So I don't Talk about making not very much in the beginning just to say, what was me? Hey, this is where I started. But to show people that they can grow too and that they can make this happen too. So that purpose to it makes it more intentional. And I know that I'm not just posting to post or throwing something up on my website just because I think that I need to be vulnerable because somebody told me that I need to be vulnerable. But I actually have a goal to it, an outcome to it. And even further, when you take this more so than just showing up online, why are you showing up to grow your business? So if I'm launching a new offer and I think backwards, what do people need to know in order to buy that offer from me? And what do I need to share today if I'm going to be launching that in a few months? What stories do they need to know? What pieces of my story do they need to know in order to make them feel confident to purchase from me at a later date? So you won't be oversharing if you have that big picture vision of how sharing this is actually going to drive your business forward. We don't just show up online to add to the noise or we shouldn't be. We should be showing up online so that we're growing our business. Like, I don't look at social media as just a fun thing to do. I look at it as a way to connect with people and to grow my community and grow my business. And all of my marketing plans should tie back to those sales goals and how we're going to make those happen. And if you are specific and intentional in what pieces that you're sharing, then you're more likely to hit those goals without oversharing. And of course, you don't need to go and air your dirty laundry in order to be vulnerable. You just need to pick the pieces that are going to strike those emotional cords. Totally. And is there any risk? I mean, if you're just showing up solely to promote and grow your business, is there any risk of coming off then as inauthentic? People worry about this, but 
I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to grow your business. Like there's nothing wrong with sales. Sales is just helping people. Service-based businesses are about serving people. And it's okay if you have goals to grow your business. I don't think that's anything to shy away from. As long as you make it clear that you are offering a service, you want to help people grow. Like for me, I say that I want to retire my husband, but I also want that for all of my clients. If you come into my world, it's not just about me growing my business and making another dollar. They can go hand in hand. You can have both sides of it. You can really, really care about your people and have your own personal goals. And there shouldn't be anything wrong with having your own personal goals. And part of growing your business is connecting genuinely with people. And it is forming those communities so you can keep empowering them too. Yeah, I like that. Basically, it's not one or the other. They can happen simultaneously. You can be authentic and show up as your true self while simultaneously connecting with people who might be your future customer, but they also might not. They might just become a friend or whatever. So the next thing I want to ask about, because I know that we've all started somewhere, right? And often when we make a decision and we decide, you know what, I'm going to show up imperfectly. I'm going to do this thing because Jill Wise said to do it on a podcast. I'm going to put out a post. It's going to be authentic and true to who I am. But then they're met with crickets. Nobody cares. Nobody responds. So what do you say to those people who encounter that, at least in the early days? Okay. So there's a few things here. First of all, there's going to be crickets. That's just what happens in the beginning and you have to keep trying, but you also have to come to a point where you sit back and you analyze, is this working or not working? So if we look at the sentence that's on my about page, I put that up and had my whole website redesigned and I was going to wait and see if it would bring in more leads for me. And it did. It brought in a lot of leads. The month after my whole website was up and running, my revenue tripled. And that's because it started acting as a lead generation tool for me. And I knew that what I was saying was working. But if I put it up and there was crickets for a long time, and if I tried to get more traffic to it and it still wasn't working, then I would have to sit back and look at everything that I've put out and ask myself, is this truly going to resonate with my people? And if it's not, then you have to adjust. So when you're doing that for social media, for example, you can stick with something for a little bit and see if there's going to be some traction there and you will have some dead posts and that's okay. But then analyze, is it working? Is it going to work? Is there anything coming out of this or do I need to readjust? And how long of a time period would you say? Because I think that people might get really caught up in the trial and error, but maybe their trial isn't running long enough. So if they post something and it immediately is met with crickets and seemingly nobody cares, well, maybe they just didn't try it long enough. So how long do you recommend that people sort of try something before they make a full analysis and then change it or whatever? Yeah. So it obviously depends on the person and the business and where they're already at. But I like to tell my clients that if they're going to try something and report back to me, I say, give it at least a week. But if you can push this idea, this theme for a whole month and let me know what happens, that's even better because we'll have more data. They might be able to have some conversations around it. They might be able to ask people what their thoughts are, how it's resonating with them. They might be able to actively seek out that engagement at first to see if it's working and then keep running with it. 
but that's kind of what I would say there. Whether it's a week that you say, hey, I'm going to talk about this one thing and see if people really relate to it, or you feel up to pushing it a little bit longer than that. But I would say you have a good idea after a week or so. So that's like your About Me page on your website. Would you also say that's true of a social media post? So if I'm testing out a particular type of content, I'm going to post about my favorite kind of wine that I drink on a Friday night and it's met with crickets. How long should I keep posting about wine before I can decide that it's not working and I should maybe try something else. Okay. Sorry, I should clarify here. When I was answering for the week to a month, I would say that would be for social media. Something for your website, you have to make sure that there's some traffic going to it. So that would be more so looking at the numbers of how many people are actually looking at it versus the time frame. So if we look at these two things separately, if we look at maybe you publish a new about page on your website or you redo all of your copy on your website and you want to know if that's working, well, you have to look at it in terms of how many people are actually looking at your copy versus a time frame because you might have less website traffic than somebody else and that's okay. But we just want to make sure that there's getting eyes on it before you decide whether it's time to readjust or if it's working or not. As for Instagram though, if you wanted to try to post about your wine on Friday night. Don't just try once and see what happens because not everybody's going to see that. You could try that for an entire month. Every Friday, you're going to talk about what wine it is and see if people are engaged in it. And you can start those conversations around it. So that's where when my clients are asking me, do I really have to try this? Do I have to? (laughs) They sometimes they'll push back. I'll say, try it for at least a week or even better report back to me in a month to see how it's going because that'll give you space to have actual conversations around it as well. Like they can actively seek out that engagement. They can try to ask people what they think. And I guess some further clarification here, lots of people, when they think of message research and asking people what they think, they'll just post a story. Do you like this or that? Or fill in this question box or something simple like that. But you need to go deeper. You need to actually have conversations with people, send them a DM, send them an email even better so that it looks even more formal and that they know that you're trying to get to know them. And the best case is obviously actually interviewing your ideal clients, but I know not everybody can do that. So at least try to have actual conversations, not just post a poll on your stories to see what they want. Exactly. I completely agree with you on that. Speaking in person with your ideal clients is the best possible way to do that primary market research because you learn so much. And especially if you do very little talking and let them do all of the talking, you can learn a lot. And it's so powerful. Even hearing the verbiage, for example, can totally change things. I know It did that for me in my business because we tend to get a little bit jargony in our individual industries and we'll say things one way, but the person who's looking to hire us may have no understanding of what that terminology is, or maybe they would just say it in a completely different way. And I always use the example because I have a product photography digital course. I would have different words that I would use to describe photography or good photography. And I learned from one of my ideal clients because she referred to it as I just can't take a website-worthy photo. And I went, oh, that's interesting. I would have never called it that. So there's definitely all kinds of goodies that you can uncover from your ideal clients, specifically if you're having conversations with them in person. But also, I think it's important to make sure that you're listening to the right people. Because sometimes when you take risks and you put yourself out there, you'll be met with criticism. And I'm no stranger to that. But it's really important to make sure that you're taking the criticism from the right people. If they're the people who you want to attract and they're saying something critical about what you posted, well, then it's time to listen. But if 
it's not somebody that you would ever picture yourself working with or it's not somebody that you're trying to attract. And maybe they're just a troll or just not a nice person or having a bad day or whatever. It's definitely not the kind of criticism that you want to take and shift all of your business copy or change the direction of your strategic plan over. So have you ever come across clients or some of like your coaching students that are maybe getting criticism from the wrong people? So I would say that the people that I work with and myself, we've been pretty lucky in that I don't feel like I get criticism. At least people don't tell me about it. There are times where maybe you'll get business advice from people who aren't in the business world and they're in your personal life and that sort of thing. And I know that I've experienced that and some of my clients have as well, but we're pretty lucky in that we don't get those trolls. So definitely when you are trying to decide what to do, you don't need to listen to everybody and their mother who has the business advice or who has something to say about how you're showing up online because ultimately they're not your customers and they're not going to push your goals forward and they're not going to work with you. So instead, just thinking, what do my specific people need and how can I show up intentionally for them and how can I give to them? Because like I said, with the balance between showing up for your goals and for your clients' goals, we need to think of them and try to give to them and try to connect with them in order to make it really genuine. Yeah, completely. And like, it can be very tempting to want to run ideas bounce ideas off of your friends and your family and your husband. But it's really important to keep in mind that they're not the people that you're trying to attract. So their opinions, while super valuable and lovely and widely available, may not always be the best ones. So I think it's important to, I guess, understand that not all feedback is created equally. Oh yeah, I would recommend not asking your partners and your best friends in real life and all of those people what they think about your branding because they are not your ideal clients usually. And so they're not going to give you anything that's strategic, useful. Yes, it's nice to talk to them if you're excited or just to get their input as a friend, but I wouldn't take it as business advice. Specifically, just looking at yourself analytically, or if you can hire anyone, working with just those consultants, not just showing everybody what you're planning on doing and trying to choose based on that because it's impossible for them to know. We're in this whole other world as entrepreneurs. So focusing on who gets it and who you're trying to reach. Totally. I know sometimes I'll run things or bounce things off of my husband and he's like, I have no idea what you're even talking about right there. And I'm like, okay, this is how I know that I shouldn't ask you. Like, you're not the person that I'm trying to attract. It's all good. And just like a small, short, shameless plug for episode 004. It's all about attracting your ideal client. And then there's also a PDF download that goes with that episode that is questions that you can ask to your ideal clients for those in-person interviews. So anybody listening, if you're wondering like, what the heck am I even going to say when I sit down with an ideal client? I just wanted to point you toward that episode 004. And I think it's very helpful. And it's just like such an important foundational piece of building a strategy around your business. Okay, so now I want to ask you something kind of fun, maybe not fun, but what are some common mistakes that people make with injecting their personality into their brand when they're getting started? I would say one common mistake, I kind of touched on this, is that they choose those specific fun fact interest pieces, and they stay there. 
and they won't choose anything else. So if you talk about having your hair in a messy bun all the time, and that's your thing, but you need to go further than that. Like, why do you have your hair in a messy bun? Is it because you're really busy? Is it because you're getting stuff done? Is it because you like to be active? You need to start to tell the story too, not just talk about your fun facts all the time as a way to connect because it has to be deeper because we're humans and people connecting with people and people connect, they resonate with stories a lot. So how can you go even further with it in a way that's still going to be relevant and interesting for your people. Yeah, I love that you brought that one up because you do see it, or at least I see it in my scroll quite a bit. Five fun facts about me, and I've done it myself as well, but there comes a certain point where you're like, okay, are you just saying that because you're trying to connect with me? Or do you really have something to say about that? And I think it's a really important point, like to be more thoughtful about what we're posting and not just have it at the surface level, I guess, so to speak. So you have a mini course that's free. That's somewhat of a challenge for listeners. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have a free mini course. It's called the Sales Copy Crash Course. It's four lessons over four days from the moment that you enroll. It doesn't matter when you enroll. And it will walk you through the basics of how to determine your value and the basics of positioning. So how you can choose these personality pieces and these similarities and commonalities and these stories in order to position yourself next to your competition, because that's a piece of it as well. It starts with listening to your audience, but then we need to start to think about, well, what does that person who does something very similar to me, how do they position themselves and how can I differentiate? So it goes through that. It goes through the basics of staking your claim on the internet. So the importance of having a website and there's worksheets attached to every single lesson. So it's very actionable and hundreds of people have taken it, which is super exciting and they seem to all like it. So I would love if anyone else wanted to check that out too. Yeah. And like, feel free to buddy up with someone and do it together or whatever. It sounds like a really fun way to kind of get started and get kind of a little more handholding out of the gate if you're kind of just trying this for the first time or if you're looking to, I guess, reinvent your strategy. This sounds like it's a really great place to start as well. Jill, I always like to end these episodes with like a really tangible piece of advice. So if listeners could do one thing today to get a step closer to bringing that personal aspect into their branding, what should they do? They should start. So my only regret in business is not starting sooner, not starting all of these things sooner. I let fear get the best of me for so long. Fear, insecurities, imposter syndrome, wondering who would want to listen to what I have to say, all of those sorts of things. And I just wonder how far along my business would have been if I just started sooner, just started telling stories sooner and trying to connect with people sooner. I love that advice. Just start. Because if you're waiting for stars to align or to feel like it's the perfect moment or to have everything perfected before you start, well, that day is never coming. So just start. It won't be perfect. And that's A-OK. Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful for your generosity and for you sharing all of your expertise today. I learned a lot and I think listeners did too. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jill is a wealth of knowledge, and I think we can all agree that the client attraction equation or the sum of experiences they have with you and your brand is way too important to not give attention to. And in the age of information, these interactions with your brand go far beyond the bricks and mortar and far beyond the experience that happens face to face. 
So we need to pay attention to how we show up and how that goes beyond the messaging to offer our audiences a sense of community, entertainment, and connection to us. Incorporating personality into your content is one of the most overlooked ways to help you stand out and hone your uniqueness. To connect with Jill and to find any other resource mentioned in this episode, please visit the show notes at kellylawson.ca slash 057. And thanks again for hanging out with me. Was it just me or did this go by way too fast? I appreciate you, you know. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.